The following has been paid for by the Rage You Nerds. Welcome to Rage You Nerds. I am Mr. Keck and Joining me, as they do on Fridays, I have my brother Jared, our friend Travis TJ, uh, and we are Rage You Nerds, hooping in the back. I wish we would get, we would get removed so quick from, <laughs> we would have us gone. So tonight's tale of the tape for Highlander, released March 7th, 1986, director Russell... Russell, <laughs> Macaulay. He's an Aussie. Russell Mulcahy. Macaulay. 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 I don't. Distributor: Columbia, Canon, Warner. All three of them brought together in one unified force. Stars, according to TJ Clancy Brown. Uh, also stars Christopher Lambert, Roxanne Hart, and Sean Connery. Runtime, 111 minutes. Budget, 19 million. Box office draw, 12.9 million. This is a cult classic. <laughs> Awards, basically a feature-length Queen album music video award is what I've given it. Rotten Tomatoes, 69%. Google users, 88% liked. And IMDB has it as a 7.1 out of 10. All right. TJ and Jared will be taking away the nerding out of Highlander. It's all you, boys. Uh, all right, all right, all right. First of all, if you're watching on Facebook now, I don't know how we're going to handle like comments and whatnot, uh, but uh, leave a comment if you got questions about me and TJ's nerddom on this movie because one thing I want to say is that shortly after me and TJ met, and this movie had been out, this we were three years old when this movie came out. We met about eight years after this movie came out and it was probably one of the first movies that me and him watched together as friends when you, you go to your sleepover at your friend's house and whatnot <clears throat> that and uh which is why one of the reasons we're so passionate about this movie and the friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street series is because that's kind of what we grew up with and i say grew up we literally grew up watching these movies from the time we were 12 13 years old and uh, here we are now <clears throat> so uh Mr. TJ, I know you've got a lot of things to say. I've got a lot of things to say. <clears throat> what I thought we would do, and I know we've both taken notes, really just kind of as reference points, not read them like we normally do, but let's just discuss the movie. And I, th I think let's start from the beginning. <clears throat> you have an opening in Madison Square Garden. You don't well, really know what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah, but you know, let's let's start with the uh, let's start with the the very first part of the beginning where it's like centuries ago, whatever. The whole like words on the screen thing that really kind of sets it up. Yes. Really kind of sets it up. Go ahead. Um, well, I was about to look it up because I didn't save it like an idiot. <laughs> <clears throat> From the dawn of time we came, moving silently down through the centuries. And then there's some other stuff. And <clears throat> so you have this voiceover with Sean Connery before you have this massive badassery with Queen. Queen really outdid themselves on this Queen, movie. Um, yeah, it's like probably one of the best, like, I like Queen, but like the, the songs on this movie, probably, in my opinion, 
are the best. The songs are better than the movie. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like it, it gets you pumped like nothing else. Yes, it does. For it. So, yes. okay, so it's from the dawn of time we came, moving silently down through the centuries, living many secret lives, struggling to reach the time of the gathering where the few who remain will battle to the last. No one has ever known we were among you until now. Here we are. <laughs> and that, that, one, copyright that, one infringers were... that one copyright infringement by a band named Mean in the movie Schmylander. Uh, no, but like that's that's what sets it up. You don't know what you're getting into. And I remember the first time I watched it, your, your reference to it was like, oh, yeah, it's about an immortal guy. And he cuts off heads. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> A little bit of history with this too is like this is <clears throat> our early attempts at music piracy pre Napster. Because <laughs> yes. we would hold we tape would. decks up to the TV because of these songs. It's like we didn't know where, like, you know, couldn't get these songs, you know, couldn't find this, you know, albums, you know, the tapes or CDs that these were on. So we would hold our our cassette <laughs> recorders up to the speaker and and try to get as much of these songs and, and quotes and everything from the movie as we could. For those of you youngins out there, cassette yeah. tape is actually a device where there's like actual tape inside of a plastic spindle and you, you can record on it, voices and whatnot. It's really marvelous. It's not this digital stuff that you boys and girls have got now. Um, but yeah, no, I remember that too. Because <laughs> and one of the, <laughs> we did it with this one, and we did it with part two, and we did it with the gathering, which I guess is technically part three, even though it's the first three episodes of Highlander the series. One of the things I wanted to say, starting out, you, you have this great thing from Queen with the great um, uh, the words from Ramirez. And then we opened the Madison Square Garden, and the first thing, and I didn't know this till years later, being you know not being a WWE fan at the time, but we open up with basically you know uh, Michael Hayes, uh, the fabulous Freebirds, the fabulous Freebirds is in a wrestling ring with Jimmy Snuka, you know, in Madison Square Garden, and I didn't know that till years later, which just made it even cooler. And then it pans uh, to this lonely guy sitting in there, and everybody's like. Ah, yeah, like you would be at a wrestling event, but they accept it's the eighties and they're all wearing like suits and ties and stuff. Yeah, Cause that's what you Nobody's do. It's Madison with, like, Square Garden wrestling, wrestling shirts. <laughs> that's what you, yeah. That's what you do. You wear your suit and you're tying your hat on. Oh, the spotting good night tonight, boy. Yeah. Uh, He's the one person but, you know, in there just sitting low, there, not paying attention sitting, to the match, not paying attention, people screaming at him. And he's like, yes. Just... So in the, in the original movie, which was, I don't believe the theatrical release at that point in Madison square garden, he has a flashback that kind of sets up where we're going. That was never in the video release. So I don't remember seeing that until years later where it's kind of like, Oh, well, we're going back in time to Scotland. What for, you know, yes, we have kind of the setup that's going to be, <clears throat> you know, moving silently down through. These are really old guys. What's going on here? So then, you know, of course, he gets he gets the feel. He gets the feel, the quickening, and he goes to the garage to fight Facile. Um, okay, so 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 the feeling, you know, the quickening, I guess, is is that is that what they call it in this? Because the quickening and everything else has always been the uh, electricity that shoots out of the dead body. Right. I think the I think well, see, okay. I think the quickening is kind of, it never really explains it. And that's, and by the way, I do have, and I'm sure you do too, TJ, and I'm sure they are the same damn things. We do have some points of contention with this movie as yeah. far as storyline and plot goes. So the quickening is never really explained. 
except when he's back in time, not back in time, when he's he's in Scotland in 1536 after he re- meets Ramirez and he gets electrocuted after chasing a deer, you know, or before chasing a deer. Uh, that's the, the film that you're stealing is the quickening, you know, so and we're, we're like, oh, the quickening. OK, so it's like <clears throat> you get stuck in a thunderstorm and struck by lightning and whatnot. And you see it at the end after he cuts the seal's heads off. Spoiler alert um, <laughs> in the garage in the opening uh, <laughs> in the opening sequence. But you don't really know what it is. And it never really does explain that. But that's one of my I think one of the better thought ideas of this movie is. In any other kind of movie, or especially like, uh, I don't want to use anime because I don't know a whole lot about anime, but it's always been like a, a ritualistic kind of thing. When you fight your enemy and you defeat your enemy, you get that enemy's power. Native Americans believe that. When you kill your enemy, you 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 you, you cut out their heart or you scalp them, or, and that's a part of that. It's shrunken heads. That whole that all comes from taking your enemy's power, etc. I think Highlander had an interesting take on that. It's like, okay, you get their power, but we're going to electrocute you first. <laughs> you know, and it's like this movie doesn't even really set up the electrocution. It's really like the second movie in the series that really kind of does that. This movie uh, this is series, just like yes. a lot of light and a lot of bombs going off. Now, I want right. to talk about that fight scene because it was very badly cut. Pun intended. Atrocious. Um, because I was like, <laughs> I made a note. I was like, I was I like, okay. Did there. So he's like, bad guy standing bad guy flipping bad guy standing and then connor <laughs> looks up and then bad guy's flipping and then connor looks up again and he's just kind of standing around looking it's like there was okay there's some bad cuts in this yes there were some bad edits in that scene because at one point he's he's flipping and then he stops flipping and connor searching for a sword under the car and it cuts back to and he's still uh, to seal and he's running he, well no he's running and then Connor finds a sword and he looks over the car and you still see him flipping away. It's like, so he got tired of flipping, ran a little bit and started flipping again. Anyways, that's eh, 1986. They had a, a small budget, by the way. And I'll, I'll well, well I'll that's say all that, that my, is in sword fighting is, 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 is flipping and running. So flipping and running, flipping and running and sword sharper than the sharpest thing ever because they can cut through concrete they they spark when they hit each other you can you can rupture a hubcap with that thing there i always thought their swords were so sharp okay moving on um we can go through the movie piece by piece uh but i i think we should tackle a couple of the problems that we have with the movie we're because we're going to give it plenty of praise and by the way what mr cactus put up right now well not just that one but it was uh connor with heather that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because that is where Ramirez shows up. But as a 13-year-old boy, that's also where Jared got to see some Scottish lasses upper area, and it excited me. <laughs> Ramirez, the only Scottish actor to be cast as an Egyptian Spaniard. <laughs> as an Egyptian, yes. <laughs> so... um <clears throat> Problem number one. Problem number one. And, I th- and TJ, I'm just going to read what I've got here and because I, I, I just know that me and you have something similar just because we're so close in our note-taking. So um, one big crux I have with this movie, and the movies after do not answer this question nor give it any Justin. What in the hell is the prize? Nobody knows what the prize is. So it didn't help clear it up. So part two... Well, you know, hold on. At the what, end of the what? movie, though, at the end of the movie, though, 
she asks like what is the no, prize it's, and it's like it's vague it's, though it's vague yeah well it's like you can hear everybody's thoughts in the world and you know what everybody's thinking and i can have children now so that's apparently the prize that, the prize is these immortals being able for to centuries just for some some supernatural telepathy and the ab- ability to make a baby so, but yeah, which, which, and it should mean something more because Ramirez says, you know, if Kagan gets the prize, the armors of darkness will march all over the world. That was a British version of him. But, uh, so it has to, it has to leave you to think that something more to the prize that like, you're kind of the, the, not the world leader, but I mean, in a way you're the, you're the I, I, I related back to Indiana Jones and Temple or, uh, uh, last crusade, you know, if you got the grail, you got the world. You you're in control. But like it, there there's just and I think they part of what happened here was the writer of this story was a college student and he basically sold his idea to someone who rewrote it 14 times. He got some residuals off it, and they probably just drug his script through the coals. And well, so it probably at one point described what the prize was and it went into detail, which is probably how Highlander Two got made, which. Yeah. Anyway, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about Highlander too. But I mean, no. you know, you, yeah. it could be it could be someone whose script got drugged through the coals and rewritten fourteen hundred times, or it could just be someone who wrote down, "Hey, you know, it's like whoever the last immortal is gets the prize." And then someone goes, "Well, what's the prize?" And then the guy goes, "We'll save that for the sequel," and, <laughs> and then just completely dismisses it, you know. One of the oh. things I wrote was the prize is never explicitly explained specifically, nor is the gathering and in parentheses, probably because they had no motivation to do it, being that they were never told they never told the actors what the prize was. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole gathering is right for the prize. They, they said the prize? It, don't they worry said about something it. about it, the gathering in the movie where the gathering was, you know, when the last few remain, yeah. they'll fill this, they all come you together. know, uncontrollable draw to a faraway land and fight it out for the prize. Right. So apparently that's 1980s New York. Great. And it was bad in the 80s New York. Um, problem number two. Uh, and and this, I might be splitting hairs here. All right. So you're immortal. The only way you can die is by having your head cut off. But you can still get shot. You can still get stabbed. And, uh, and apparently, based on other scenes in the movie, when some of that stuff happens, you can still feel pain. However, it doesn't seem to bother you trying to breathe underwater. Um for those of you who don't know the scene, Ramirez, after letting Connor know, well, uh, semi-quasingly letting him know that he's immortal, throws him off a boat. Connor sinks because he can't swim. So Connor happily, after he realizes he can't die underwater, just starts having fun with the whole thing. But I'm just thinking to myself, <clears throat> I mean, I've never been immortal, <laughs> but I imagine it. I'd still want air. <laughs> yeah. He's just at the bottom of the ocean. Ha 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 I'm cutting down this kelp. and the, I just... I. If they can still get shot and feel pain, would not the lack of air be excruciating? I know it's a plot hole and it's splitting hairs, but it just, I'm a stickler for detail. And this is one of the ones that has always drove me up the wall. (laughs) Well, one of the things that gets me is like, yeah, they can, you know, yeah, he he can go underwater and literally breathe, whatever. Um, The thing that gets me is like, he's shot like a hundred times by the Nazi, but yet... You know, it's just like, it's just a magic trick or whatever. It's kind of magic. Yeah, you know, and, and then just like gets up like nothing happened. And it's like, really? You just 
had a bunch of holes poked in you by fast-moving bullets, and yet you don't feel anything. You don't. It's just kind of like you get up and and then you know say a witty one-liner and then shoot the Nazi. Which is what we all want to do, if we're honest. Well, yeah, we'd but... be one-liner, kill the Nazi, right? I mean, life but... goals. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, you know, obviously, like, if you're stabbed or, you know, you're shot or something like that, how long does it take them to heal? You know, is it instantaneous? And, and, or is well, that's it, one or thing. Do you get into kinda... that in the series a little bit where, like, he... Well, yeah, like... And maybe it's like he gets cut or something and you watch it kind of heal on his... I don't know. Or if you, bullet holes or something. I, well, you know, he's always down for like a couple minutes and then he gets back up. Right, right. There's you like know. a delay. Oh, yeah. shit, I've been shot. <laughs> well, it's like a fake, like a like a false death. Like, you know, they'll, they'll yeah, see you and yeah. be like, oh, he's dead. And then you're like, okay, I'm alive now. <laughs> yeah, like that, that re-breath of air, like, you know, not, I've never, yeah. I don't remember being born, but something like that. Like just waking up and going, oh, okay, what were we doing? Ah, yes. I can only describe it as what the doctor feels when he regenerates, only the doctor doesn't know who he is. But we're not talking about the doctor here. We're talking about Highlander. Um, Quick note here. uh, The great Alan North was the lead detective in this movie, Brenda's boss. Alan North, if you don't know, this is not really a spoiler alert, but there was a show back in 1983 on ABC, and it premiered against some big heavyweights, and it only made it about eight episodes and that show was called Police Squad. And in that show, Police Squad, um, Alan North played Detective Ed Hawken. Never really materialized, but a year after the Highlander movie came out, there was another movie that came out called The Naked Gun, in which George Kennedy played Captain Ed Hawken, opposite Leslie Nielsen, Naked Gun. So Alan North is um, such a great actor and to see him in this uh, as a serious role though because al north did a lot of comedy roles so to me that was kind of fun uh, which and i didn't know that because i had always seen the naked gun movies and never watched police squad and when i watched police squad i'm like that's the dude from highlander <laughs> here's my question how did connor mcleod get into madison square garden with a sword <clears throat> it was 1986 tj they weren't checking people they weren't patting them down. There was New York. It was the city of love. They didn't care about all the crime that was happening there. They're like, oh, yeah, wrestling, come on in with your trench coat. What's that sticking out there at the bottom? Oh, nothing. Don't bother me. So um, here's another question. Yes. <clears throat> He's sitting in Madison Square Garden and uh, senses another immortal is around, right? But yes. later on in the movie, he's with the crime lab person whatever her name is that would be um the roxanne art what's her character name uh, oh uh schmeagle no wrong movie shoot um well, he's with schmeagel and uh, <laughs> uh the kurgan appears behind him but yet he doesn't sense he's there See, okay, now, is there like that a distance is another... that's only works in like if 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 you're in like if an immortal's in the other room, can you sense he's there, or does it have to be like you know two houses down? Okay, so about that, <laughs> that's another um another part where I was like, how come he can smell this guy in Madison Square Garden, 
and he's and he can't see Kurgan behind him. That's another scene, by the way, that is not in the original theatrical release. That scene is cut completely. That's how Kurgan follows Brenda home. Brenda, her name is Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> Roxanne Hart's name in the movie is Brenda. Um, so, um, if you've ne- and what's on Amazon right now, or the one I own on Amazon anyway, is the it, it, basically the extended release or the full release. Not, and I, I don't even know if it was theatrical or not. Um, it's kind of like Alien or Aliens, where there's a bunch of scenes. It's like 15 minutes or so of deleted scenes where they got rid of it to make it theater friendly, but then released the director's cut kind of thing. Because I, when I, the first time I watched that movie, that that scene wasn't in there, just like the scene wasn't in there in Madison Square Garden in the. Um, original when he's in madison square garden and they're wrestling and everything he has a flashback at that moment but that's never in the theatrical version so um i feel uh moving on to the next uh, so not just going off our notes let's just talk about the movie in general so here you got this guy born in 1518 in scotland and this brings up a point too uh which i'll get to in a second so he lives up to where up to 1536 so 18 years Wow, is he really supposed to be 18 years old? When he that would make sense. Being he's the, uh, you know, he's the only clean-shaven Scott in the battle. He's the only clean-shaven Scott. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. But years later, when he's, you know, Connor in the 1980 New York, he, he nothing about this guy says 18. Uh, anyways, so they go off, they gallivant out to the fields of battle for one clan to fight the other clan. By the way, the McLeods were an actual clan in Scotland around this time. There's a map somewhere <laughs> of this to show you where they were. Um, but yes, yeah, so, uh, so Connor is a clan McLeod and they go on to fight the, 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 I don't even know, McDonald's or something else, which tribal... Just much like Native Americans were in America, this, this thing happened in Scotland all the time. They're all Scottish people, but they're all part of different clans. You encroach on one clan, let's go sword swinging. Um, probably wasn't as... Fraser, Fraser, yes, that's right. Um, which I didn't find on the map. So might be a bit historical and accurate there. But uh, yeah, let's pull up the map real quick. I didn't see Fraser anywhere on there, but I'm sure I missed it. So this, the parts there that you can see that are circled in red are... Uh, Clan McLeod, and that is uh, at the time, well, let's say 1518 to 15, probably 90. That's where the McLeods of Scotland, as you notice, it is in the Highlands of Scotland, why the movie is called Highlander. Uh, not to get all history or too much nerdy with you. But anyways, that's a map of Scotland right there for all of you scholars who don't know what it is. Circled in red, of course, again, is McLeod. And you can kind of see if you want to zoom in or you want to, you know, Google this on your own without me doing all the damn work for you. You can see where all the different clans of Scotland were at the time when there were still Scottish clans. So um, at least they made it accurate in the fact that they were in the Highlands. So we're in the Highlands of Scotland and this young (laughs) strapping boy, Connor, of 18 years of age, who's never peed his kilt in battle. uh, He gets he, he dies on the battlefield. And uh, I have questions about certain things about immortality coming up, TJ, that I'm going to ask you. But so just a quick synopsis of the movie. If you've never seen it, after he dies on the field of battle, he comes back to life. Everybody's like, oh, you've got the devil in you. And uh, he gets banished from his village. So from there, it's not really sure how he gets free from his restraints. But he meets a blonde lady and they have prenuptials. 
or maybe nuptials. I don't know. And uh, well, it turns out then this Ramirez character shows up, who is the oldest of all immortals, um, or very old at least. And, and so he tells him, hey, you're immortal, you fool. And then he drowns him. And then he teaches him how to use a sword, a Japanese sword, not a not a claymore. So fun ensues. We fast forward back to the future, and it's kind of the movie is going back and forth between him fighting this guy. So here's my question to you, TJ. And I'm assuming everybody out there that is at least watching has a working knowledge of Highlander. How does one, because it never explains this in any of the movies or the series or anything, but I want to ask you, TJ, how does one become immortal? Because Kurgan knows who Connor is already. Remember our agreement, Murdoch. The Highlander is mine. The one they call Connor is mine. Nobody Connor will fight know. me. Nobody will fight. Oh, great, laddie. Stay by me. <laughs> oh, you Spanish peacock, you bastard, you. So, but that leads kind of, in, it never really says anything. And, and, and Ramirez never really goes into it because he goes, how can this be? And well, why does he? He gets all philosophical with him. Why are the stars just pinholes in the curtain of night? Okay. <laughs> so best I best I can feel this is like we don't really know what happens. My theory is like you're born with a special ability to become immortal, but you have to die first. <laughs> you you got to die first, and then you're immortal. So um, I don't know. It just what do you think, TJ? What? Because and we've talked about this in the past. I mean, like I said, me and TJ have seen this movie many many times over our nearly thirty year friendship. Uh. What do you think about, like, are you born immortal? Do you have to die and then you have that special gene that makes you immortal? Or what, you know, because you age up until that point. Or do you? We don't even know that. Connor could have just showed up on a buggy one day. Well, I think they're aliens from another planet who are imprisoned and then banished to Earth to fight. You know, we should make <laughs> a movie about that as like a sequel to this movie. <laughs> but what we'll do, hang on, wait, wait, wait. What we'll do, we'll have Connor grow old, and the Earth's ozone layer disappear. So what they'll do, they're going to create some sort of, they're going to create some sort of ray gun thing, as like a, as like a barrier ray. Um, there's a word I'm thinking of. I can't think of what it starts with an S. A shoe, shoe, a shoe. Shield. 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 Yes, it's a shield. They're going to create a shield around the entire planet, and it's going to be, it's going to be blood red because what other effing color could you think of? <laughs> And we'll call it Highlander 2. <laughs> let's even, I got a better idea. Let's even bring Ramirez. We're going to dish on Highlander 2 now. I know we are. <laughs> so let's, let's bring so Ramirez let's, back to the dead just, on, just, just by Connor going, spoiler oh, alert. Help me, help me. Ramirez dies in the first one. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, he sure does, doesn't he? At the so, hands of So the here's Kurgan. a couple things. A couple things. Immortal, it doesn't, you know, Kurgan knew. That Connor was immortal. Um, it doesn't say how, but I imagine it has something to do with the whole sense of you know sensing other immortals. But right. I so think the thing is, was as I think the thing is, you have to die for it to present itself for it to like for that change to actually occur. I think if you don't die of natural causes, it's like one of those things you have to be killed for it to happen. But if yeah. you were to just grow old of natural causes, I don't think you just hit like the age of 18 and then suddenly it's like, oh, well, now you're immortal. I think it's Actually, one of those you know things what? that has to be has to be triggered by something 
um, the initial loss of life for it to occur. And I think they've actually touched base on that with other, with the series and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. You, you got a good point there with being, he was born in 1518 and he died in 1536. That's kind of cool to the point where it's like, maybe it is. Maybe once you reach the age of maturity, 18, ha ha, uh, then your immortal gene kicks in and, uh, there you go. Um, so, uh, TJ, I'm going to kind of, uh, I want to, I want to throw something out to you too. Uh, but speaking of speaking of real quick, <clears throat> some of the best scenes in this film don't involve anybody else, but Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert or Christophe Lambert, uh, uh, and just go between back and forth, you know, calling someone a haggis. I've never called him haggis? a haggis before. What is haggis? You know, having haggis? What is haggis? Highlander 2, again. What's your game, shithead? It's a shithead. By the way, Highlander 2 is a... What's a shithead? <laughs> it's so terrible, but it's great. Um, so, I, but I, I think the way they play off each other as well, it's because it's like you have the, you know, and if you're, if you're not unfamiliar with Christopher Lambert, you know, he's actually an American citizen, born in America, but then they moved to Belgium and then they moved to France. And that's where he got all his training, which is also where he gets his accent from. So he's an American, but he just talks funny. Yeah. Kind of like one of my notes Karen that I style. made. It's one of the notes that I made was like you. This movie is about a Scottish Highlander, yet you pick the only Scottish actor in the movie to play an Egyptian. Play an Spaniard. Egyptian. <laughs> um an Egyptian Spaniard, I like it. <laughs> so so yeah, you know, like I like a lot of the Ramirez and McLeod like flashback scenes with the whole training, him explaining everything when McLeod asks a question, uh Ramirez answers philosophically as he would, I guess. He's two thousand some odd years old at that point. So why answer straight up and be like, Hey, listen, I've lived for two thousand years, I know the answers. Instead of just being like, hey, I've lived for 2,000 years. I'm going to make you think of what the answer is going to be. I have no effing idea what's going on here. Yeah. So uh, one of my favorite scenes is the training scenes. I really like the training scenes. They're great. But one of my favorite ones is just a small like clip. And it's when they're on the top of the cliff and they're uh, fighting. And then McLeod knocks Ramirez's sword out of his hands and off the cliff. And then you see the the next scene, and it's like McLeod sitting there celebrating, and Ramirez is just looking over the edge, like where'd that damn thing go? <laughs> Both stunt doubles, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let either one of them up on that cliff. Uh, and uh, I slowed that down because I was like, wait a second, <laughs> that guy that looks like Sean Connery's wearing a wig. So, yeah, it wasn't really there. Anyways, movie notes. Uh, TJ, what is um, – how did you feel kind of about the um, the kind of love introduction? Like he's, he, he kind of likes Brenda. He's trying to get in with Brenda, but he didn't want to get okay. close to anyone. Yeah, okay. So Connor McLeod in this movie comes off like a stalker creep. <laughs> yeah. There is so much in this movie where it's just like if this were an episode of Criminal Minds – Connor McLeod would be the Connor guy. Connor would be arrested. And he did get arrested. Well, no, he didn't get arrested. He didn't get arrested. I'll tell but you like, what happened, Nash. You went down to the garage for a blowjob and just didn't want to pay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to drop one-liners now that anybody who's not seen this movie more than one time will not understand. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. 
but he comes off as a creep. You know, just showing up at the bar that she's at. And it's like, you home, Brenda. It's like, strange lady. Into Madison Square Garden often. (laughs) And then just, yeah, you know, calls her Brenda. Then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, even like when he's in her apartment. When he's in her apartment. Well, yeah, like when he's in her apartment, though. And he's sitting there searching, walking around and everything. And it's just like, everything is just like the smile on his face. And everything just comes off like, I'm going to kill you tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have, you know, it's just criminal mind stuff. Interesting view. Um, So one of the things that I kind of wanted to notice on too, and this is not to get all mushy and non-nerdy with it, but I like the story between Connor and Heather. And if you haven't seen the movie, Heather is the Scottish lady he falls in love with. Back in 1537, okay. 38, it's a little bit afterwards. Anyways, he falls in love. Well, he can't die. She's mortal. She's going to die. Ramirez is like, you must leave her, brother. It's only going to lead to heartache and torture, and she's going to die, and you're not going to, provided you don't get your head cut off. Um, and Connor, well, of course, gets really, really mad, and, uh, you know, he, he doesn't. Anyways, they end up growing old. Or he, she ends up growing old. They stay together, and eventually she dies. And I just, I was thinking to myself, the whole thing playing out, it's like, can you imagine being with the person that you loved and them getting older and you not aging a bit and well, then just having to. This Go is on. one of the notes. This is the note that I made is this movie in general, from start to finish, really does a great job of showing how lonely it could be to be an immortal. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like every other movie, it's like, oh, you're immortal. You can't die. Oh, yeah, but you go through the ages and you fall in love with this person, fall in love with this person, fall in love with this person. But this movie right here, just in that in, – in his relationship with Heather, um, it, I mean it shows just kind of like how it could be, you know, just incredibly lonely. It's like once she's dead, then what? You know, do you just move on to another one, watch her grow old, watch her grow old? Do you just kind of – go on and, and live your life, you know, like even the scenes where he's drunk fighting, you know, in the duel, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, that can honestly be, you know, brought down to, it's very, I'm, I'm lonely. I'm immortal. Let's I have can't some die. fun. I'm which, like, yeah. You know, it's like, I'm just going to have some fun. Yeah. It looks like fun, but in, deep down inside, you know, it's like, you know, I think even like the point where, you know, he rescues Rachel. Yes. From the Nazis. That's, uh, oh, gosh, that's so sad, too. And then, like, you know, you realize that that's her, like, working in his shop. Yeah. And then it's like, and then leaves her at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. You know, she's, he's not going to come back, whether he lives or dies. You know, and this little kid that he's basically raised. And, yeah. you know. Who's now 50 years older than him. If we're looking at, yeah, not actual age, but um, how can how would we even say that and perceived age? We'll go with yeah. perceived age. So <laughs> perceived age, but you know, like something like that. You know, even the whole okay, you know, like the point where he brings what's her name, Deborah, Debbie, what's her Brenda, Brenda. So when he Brenda. takes her into like the room and then he's like, he starts telling his story. It's like, 
My name is Connor McLeod of the Klein McLe you know, Cloud. I was born in 1518. 1518, the Shield and of Shield. Yeah, the Highlands of Scotland. I'm immortal and I cannot die. And then he takes her, gives her the knife, and then he stabs himself. For one, this kind of plays into the whole creepiness thing. Um, <laughs> because, like an episode of Criminal Minds, <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's I want, something you I'm going to, I'm going to kidnap you and then I'm going to stab you and you're going to stab me and then we're going to make love. <laughs> <laughs> and it happened just that way. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, I'm and, what, and, and she's obviously not stab in me. her oh, right mind. She just, he just forced her to stab him. And then he's like, see, I'm immortal. And then she's like, let's right, go to let's bed. do it. Let's do <laughs> it. <laughs> so, I, never really, I never really thought about that before until now. But it is kind of odd where she realizes yeah. something wrong. He wants to tell her. So they finally tell her. It's traumatizing. But then we're like, we were meant to be together <laughs> because of this traumatizing experience. I stabbed you. Now I will have your baby. <laughs> Which they don't ever do because... Or not, yeah. Which, because um, you're immortal, you, know, uh, you can't have kids. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So, oh, if so you sum this movie immortal, up, speaking of mortal and like, and then being hurt and like stabbed and stuff like that, but like diseases. Sure. Oh, like if you're yeah. an immortal, can you walk into like a high end? You know, can you walk into Chernobyl, and then be like, I'm fine. See, and that's another thing they never really address <sighs> is the healing properties. Mm. Wow, that came out of nowhere. I apologize. That was very that rude. Came out of nowhere, my, that came out of your stomach. As, as my father would say, it's not bad manners, it's good beer. Um so <laughs> so uh um one of the I, I I'd like to know more about that. And I, I wish they would have wrote it in somehow as like their pain threshold and their healing properties, because obviously they have to at that because I mean it, are they really even immortal at that point? Or are they just zombies? Yeah. You know, uh, because how do you kill a zombie? Well, can you kill a zombie by cutting off its head? No, its head still survives. Anyways. Um, but that's an, uh, an interesting point, TJ, because I think that, uh, I just, I, I'm just saying by taking, you know, 20 rounds from an MP 40 from a Nazi in world war two, even if I were alive after that, I'm just thinking it might take me a little bit longer than 14 seconds to be like, Hey, ha, ha just kidding. <laughs> you know, even when he gets stabbed, even when he gets stabbed in the in the scene in the duel scene, you know, every time he gets up, he's still he's still a little bit woozy because he's drunk. I know, but like he gets stabbed and he gets up and he's like, ha, ha, you know, it's like you feel like it's taken a little bit out of him. So, um, but yeah, like something like Chernobyl or um, uh, oh, what's another thing that like bubonic plague, flesh eating bacteria. Let's just say there's a flesh eating bag. Let's say Connor McCloud goes to the Congo and he and he swims with the Kanaroo, which he did in another movie. But if you don't know what Kanaroo is, Google it. Uh, I'm not explaining it. Kanaroo. Spell it however you want to. It's a fish. I'm not telling you anything else. Anyways, uh, but like, let's say he gets exposed to some flesh eating virus. What happens then? Well, unless the <laughs> virus is on his neck and eats all the way through to his head comes off, I think he'll be fine. Well, I mean, but does he heal? Does it? Does his arm fall off? Can he not sword fight anymore? I don't know what happens. I need why to know swords? more. Why swords? That's another question I've always wondered. It's like, why swords? Why couldn't they just shoot each other? Which sword well, fighting like, is much I understand. Cooler. Well, you know, like in the 
in the times that immortals maybe first appeared, and it's probably like a tradition kind of thing, where it's that's yeah, kind of like the holy ground deal. Well, yeah, you know, it's like well, you know, Ramirez in fifteen eighteen was or fifteen whatever was like over two thousand years old. Yes. So obviously, like. BC, I think sword fighting would probably be more of like a traditional kind of thing. Yeah, and they just didn't want to adapt. It was more of a traditional, you know. Yeah. It was just like, you know what? The only way we can die is with losing our heads. The easiest way to lose your head is to have it chopped chopped off. Yeah, And, you know, if this is going to be a dual thing, then obviously we're not going to sit here and throw rocks at each other and then take a knife. (laughs) Obviously, that's going to take too much time. (laughs) So, you know. Shoot you dead, then saw through it with a hacksaw. God dang it. <laughs> you know. By the way, trivia alert real quick, now that we're talking Highlander. Do you know, and Mr. Cack, you can chime in on this if you want to. Do you know who they originally approached to play the part of Kurgan? I do not. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's someone that we may or may not have discussed well, a couple weeks ago, last week, a couple weeks ago. TJ? Ron Perlman? <laughs> no, that would have been a disaster. The governor. Arnold? Yes, it was Arnold. They approached Arnold, and you know why he did not do it? He had he just didn't played the part understand of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What do you want me to do? Wait a minute, I'm the bad guy? You want me to wear leather and put safety pins in my neck? Ah, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm going to. I'm going to go do Predator now. <laughs> so, Arnold didn't want to do this movie, which Predator, by the way, uh, filmed in the same year. So, <laughs> it worked out. Uh, he didn't want to do it because after Terminator in '84, he had just got done playing a bad, bad guy, and he did not want to play another bad guy. He wanted to play a good guy. He wanted his next part to be a good, good guy. So that is why. Uh, also, Sean Connery, Christopher Lambert, and Clancy Brown got these parts based on sheer budget concern and what the hell do we do now kind of thing. Sean Connery was originally pro- approached to play the Highlander. He did not want to. After reading the script, he's like, I'll do it, but I want to play with Ramirez. <laughs> I want to play course, the Egyptian uh, Spaniard. I want to play the Egyptian guy because I'm Scottish. And so uh, what the what they all had a powwow and they're like, well, we OK, if we get Sean Connery. We've got American stardom. This will make the movie somewhat successful. How can we make it successful in Europe? And there was this young actor who had done Tarzan and a couple other things. And they're like, let's get him. And of course, when they called Christopher Lambert, he was like, wait. Sean Connery's in it? Well, hell yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so, and by the time they had got, I watched an interview with Clancy Brown. By the time they got to Clancy Brown, like the producer and the director and both that, you know, Sean Connery, of course, got paid. And with based on residuals and a lot of other stuff, everybody got paid. But they were like, Clancy was like, I never got paid. <laughs> they, were, they basically just threw Clancy a thousand bucks and were like, here, can you come play this guy and try to chop off this guy's head and he's like all right <laughs> that's crazy because honestly in my opinion like yeah you know like the movie's called highlander and it's about you know 
uh, Connor McLeod, he's the Highlander, but like you wouldn't have the movie without Clancy Brown in this. No, you wouldn't. No, you know, absolutely you, not. you have to have a strong villain for a movie like this. And I don't know of anyone else that could have played that villain role in this movie that would have turned out as good. Nicholas Cage. No, I don't think Nicholas Cage. I'll take your head off. <laughs> That's exactly what it would sound like. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm Russian? <laughs> yeah. I'm a Kurgan from the stacks of Russia. I, I, don't know why I, Jimmy, I don't know why I went all Jimmy Stewart with him. <laughs> so I don't know. No, Connor, no. I had Connor. Uh, I can't cut your head off, Connor, no. So, yeah, you know, like the Kurgan um, or Victor Kruger. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Don't speak to me. Hi, I'm Candy. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> I love that line. Oh, if I ever meet uh, by the way, oh, named hey. Candy, then I'm going to say that. If she says, hi, I'm Candy, I'll be like, of course if you I ever, are. <laughs> I like how TJ just admitted I'll probably, to his I'll probably. If I ever I'll order a hooker whose name is Candy. <laughs> and she if shows I up my woman. What if you meant was order a hooker. Yes, yes, because we all know that down here, <laughs> they're just plentiful. So, so I want to. I don't think I've ever told anybody this before, including you, TJ, who I've known for most of my life. The first time I actually saw this movie, <laughs> spoiler alert, yeah, the first time I actually saw this movie, excuse me, was not actually with you, TJ. It was not. It was. It was it was at my aunt's house back when we had analog TV uh, signals, and I was trying to watch a scrambled program on Showtime one night because I thought there might be some hanky panky going on, and I stumbled yeah, across this movie called Island. Well, <laughs> no, no, there ended up not being. But where I caught up with it was him in the hotel, and the next thing I saw was Candy. And I was like, mmm. I, I, <laughs> I was not my impression of Yoda. <laughs> turned into Cookie Monster. <laughs> mm. I was like, nom, 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 this nom. is my interesting. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Mmm, <laughs> I like candy <laughs> and cookie. <laughs> but I'm, and this, this could be a whole other. Oh, this could shit. probably be a whole other show, but does anybody ever remember trying to watch the Scramble Channel? CJ, you were out in the mountains, so you probably didn't have them. Oh but no! Like, when we moved to when we moved to town, yeah, like it was like, a Cinemax. sixteen. <laughs> well, no, it was like Channel sixteen was Showtime. Um, Showtime, and then like I can't remember. Eighteen what was age. Cinemax. Eighteen was Cinemax. Yeah, yeah. On one, okay, so there yep. was one day where I actually watched Night of the Living Dead, the original, like nineteen sixty nine version. And yeah. it like it came through perfectly clear, like unscrambled. And I was like, holy crap, I finally get to watch an, a scrambled TV, you know, a scrambled movie. <laughs> and it was it was Night of the Living Dead. And I ended up watching it. It was the first time I ever you seen know, Night of the Living Dead. For the longest for the longest time, I didn't know how all that had worked. But apparently all you had to do was go outside of that little cable box and like unscrew something. And then you had them all. And they didn't know. Now that we're in the digital age, you got to pay for shit. Would you like to subscribe to that? Uh, well, you now you subscribe shoot. to yes, the I app. Guess. 
Yeah, now it's like you get the app. Yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, speaking of apps, Paramount Plus, pretty darn cool. I got to watch the Hogs play today. I was already subscribed to CBS All Access, and then I guess they changed it over to Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. And I was just like, all right, cool. I guess I don't need to subscribe to another one. Yeah, there you go. So that is fancy. Um, anything we want to wrap up Highlander with? Um, now that we're getting to uh, starting to get into the second hour of the show, um, are we, Mister Cag? Do you have anything you'd like to ask? Any comments out there that people have put on Facebook? Uh, no comments. Relative. No comments. Out there. But uh, I do got a couple of, of trivia points. A couple of trivia points. All right, trivia points. The sword sparking while clashing was accomplished by attaching a wire to each end of the sword that led down the arms of the actors to a car battery. <laughs> they were wow. actually they were actually forming an arc every time the swords would touch. <laughs> I feel that, like that is highly dangerous, right? Nothing about that sounds safe. When at you're all. not, so when you don't have big name to, actors, to, I guess you can do that, right? You want, I guess so. Oh, you want me to do what? Well, I want you to hold the sword. I'm going to run some number 10 wire down your arm to this 12 volt DC <laughs> that if we get this wrong, it's going to give you a heart attack. Yeah, I hope you don't okay, like cool. I'm in. Let's mind. go. It's Sean Connery. <laughs> uh, so, so the, so speaking of Sean Connery, the scene where, so when they first shot the scene where the Kurgan bursts through the door and cuts the table in half, Clancy Brown instead ran in and cut through the uh, candelabra on the table and nearly decapitated, nearly decapitating Sean Connery. Sean Connery was upset, walked <laughs> off set. Clancy Brown went up to him, vigorously apologized, said he was just nervous doing it, and then Sean Connery later joked, maybe he should use his stunt double more. So I know you had made a comment earlier about uh, the wigs and noticing that Sean Connery... The double was out there. That's because Clancy Brown nearly killed him in the filming of this. <laughs> and That's then, crazy. and then the last thing I'll throw out there isn't so much a trivia point for this one. It is just an awesome moment from Clancy Brown, and this is Clancy Brown Appreciation Night. Uh, so this is a quote when Clancy Brown was a was sent an offer to do uh, his scene in Highlander Two: The Quickening, and he said. They sent me, like, the first ten pages of it, and I said, What the F? What is this? Give me the rest of the script. And they said, Well, we want your commitment before we give you the rest of the script. And they said, Well, we're just going to pay you the same. And I said, Nah, see you later. I'm not going to do this. First of all, it makes no sense. Second of all, you're not going to pay me anything. So there's no reason for me to do this at all. So then Christopher Lambert calls me up and says, oh, you've got to do this with us. You're go- you've got to do this with us. And I said, Chris, it's horrible. The idea is terrible. What I read is awful. And he said, I helped write that. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> he goes, well, I guess I will. N- I- well, I guess I'm never going to be doing any more Highlanders. He is a great guy. I love him to death, but it was doomed from the beginning. <laughs> uh, you know, so like Clancy Brown, just an interesting man of many of many lives. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Well, is that gonna wrap it up for Highlander? I guess it is. I mean, oh. like, I think you know overall, like the movie's great, and oh. if you watch Wait. it, like, based on the fact that you know it shows like the loneliness of being immortal. As opposed to where everything else just shows like the glamour of it, um, it's great. There's some <clears throat> one thing I did want to say. 
And they, if it wasn't the 90s, dang it, this probably could have been accomplished way better. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I, I feel like if we're always talking about reboots. If you were going to reboot Highlander, I think Highlander should be better rebooted as a series. I feel like this is because you have 400 years of story that you can tell. Yeah. You could literally have the well, series they did start do out the with series. him. And, well, no, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I, it, it was in the 90s, though, and it was shit. I mean, it was good, but for the 90s, it was okay. Let me rephrase for the 90s, it was good. Watching it now, it's shit. Yeah. There were a couple of good episodes that stood out. I think the first three, which was part three, technically, The Gathering, where you introduce Duncan and Connor, and they're like, ha, 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 let's go fight. Well, actually, it was never part you know, of the uh, the movie franchise. No. It was, it was they, they bundled, I think, the first, like, two episodes together. First two or three, I don't it, remember. Yeah, th- released it as a movie and called it Highlander, The Gathering. Yes. Um, And it was basically just, like, the pilot episodes. Right, so. right. Um, but having said that, like, I feel like it's kind of a, you know, you could have these, you could have these flashbacks that last for decades if this guy is this old. You tell the story in modern time, you know, you can even almost make an interview with a vampire like where he's sitting down with, a, you know, a historical, a writer, a, a journalist of some sort. A watcher. Oh, yeah, there you go. <clears throat> We'd like to chronologically... Record all of this, Connor. What can you give us? Ah, yes. Well, back in 15, you know, that was totally Mr. Krabs, which is coming up here in just a minute, you Clancy Brown friends. Um, <clears throat> I just think that would be neat because, and it wouldn't have to be that. It could be everyday life. He could be shopping at, you know, Walmart and he sees something. He's like, ah, yes, reminds me of 1734. <laughs> you know, <laughs> back when I was a pirate on a ship. You could literally go anywhere with yeah. this. And, and you know, I, it's like the, just, the series in the missed, 80s. I think we've missed 90s. out. The series in the 90s really focused a lot more on, like, France and England and stuff. Yes. Like, they didn't all, really leave. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you can. And I think, you know, something like that. I think there's a market for it. And it would Absolutely. like a series, you know, and, you know, you can don't have to be like a straight to USA Network kind of series. I mean, you can <laughs> put that stuff on the streaming services, have it only 10 episodes have a story arc, you know, that spans 10 episodes, but yet has a lot of flashbacks to, to old you stuff can, and, and make it even like, do it like 30 make minute it episodes. Well, hell, they yeah. made a cartoon and it was actually pretty good. Well, just to yeah. throw this out there for you boys, there has actually been for the last decade, a conversation about a reboot. At one point, Ryan Reynolds was attached to be Connor McLeod, uh, but he's oh. recent, but he dropped out mm-hmm. once the previous director dropped out. Uh, so right now, the confirmation is from 2015, Dave Bautista was confirmed to be playing the Kurgan. Uh, nothing's backtracked on that yet. Uh, in November 2016, in November 2016 uh, they confirmed a director and then a scriptwriter. In June 2020, the director revealed that the reboot was still in heavy development mode. So, in my opinion, if you're going to pick a wrestler or former wrestler or anybody to play, like, a bad guy, you need to pick someone like Drew McIntyre, who's just, like, physically, (laughs) like, tall and just stout, like, you know, it's not like a... 
Yeah, I think like someone like that would be better off playing someone like the Kurgan. You know, someone who's nearly, you know, what is he like six six, six seven or something? Clancy Brown, by the way, six foot three inches tall. Christopher Lambert, five and you know foot what? ten. And you know what? It's like they they made that movie look like he was seven feet tall. Yeah, you know. Uh, but <laughs> just to it was to- definitely worth it. just to toss this out there in case you, it gets you boys interested to watch the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I know you both like to binge after they've all been released when these get released whoa, weekly. Uh, but IMDb has an eight point six out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes ninety five percent and ninety three percent like this TV show. Again, this is the first episode, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, for those of you that are Marvel fans that maybe felt a little bit weird about the starting of WandaVision, which was admittedly a weird series, Falcon Winter Soldier seems to be a pretty much tentpole. If you saw Civil War or Winter Soldier, this is the same thread line you'll be following. So uh, if you like those, you'll, it seems like you'll probably like this. And I know I'm, I'm with Jared in this. Is There's just a Marvel burnout for us. Just burned out on Marvel. All right. That's fair. You well, know. did we miss anything else, boys? Um, all right. If, I don't think so. Go go watch all the nerd stuff. Go check out the wrestling. Go, go tell Clancy Brown to join us next week. Uh, give him threatening, non-threatening, peaceful, peaceful threatening uh, messages on his Twitter and Instagram. I assume he has those. Or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't check them. He doesn't strike me as a person that checks those. But all right. No. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Oh wait. Do we wanna do we wanna discuss <clears throat> a video what the next movie is right quick? I don't think so. I think we should leave them in agony and oh. find out Friday. Leave them guessing. We can discuss it amongst ourselves, but I don't think they should know. Maybe midweek. Well let's post it midweek. Let's get out of here with some elevator music. Sounds like a I grocery store music. in an alligator <laughs> two weeks ago, and it was brutal. An alligator? An elevator. <laughs> Sounded like you said alligator. It, it did sound like you said alligator. All right, bye, oh. everyone. We'll see you next week. Oh, wait. Go to, our, go to our Instagram. Go to our socials. Go check our stuff out. Check, them all out. check it all out. Bye.